The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Sharp lessons, everybody. We're Stadium's sports betting podcast. We got the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. Nate, we're ready to talk some bets on a Wednesday. We're finally kind of uh, starting to see the board and mold it to, to what we like, see some numbers that we like, some teams that we're hitting. Um, as I said to you before the show, I'm jacked up on caffeine. I'm ready to put some bets down. We got a lot of games to look at. Are you jacked up for the uh, football week coming up or that it's the first true night of the NBA, which pretty much every team uh, that hasn't played yet, there's two games last night, uh, yet about to start their season tonight. I know you're a big NBA guy. Yeah, I'm ready. I have a, uh, I already have an NBA best bet that I really hope I'm not getting ahead of myself with, so we'll have to see if that hits. I'll give that out at the end of the show. Um, but I'm ready to give out some NBA bets throughout uh, probably next week, maybe some on Friday, too, if I like the board on Friday and Saturday. Uh, but we have a lot of football to talk about. In a, and I'll tell you something, Nate. I know on Monday we talked about how crappy of a board it kind of looked this weekend with some of the college football games. We have a ton of double-digit spreads in the NFL. But as I look more at the board, a little bit more at some of these teams – I kind of am starting to like uh, some of the spots that we see. You know, I was thinking of that too this morning. Maybe not a bet that like is one of my favorites of the of the year, or like even like would be a best bet in a normal week. But I think there's like six sides in the NFL that now I kind of like, and there's only 13 games. And and then in college football, you can definitely make a case for a lot of teams. I know there's a lot of buys in college football this week, so maybe not as many games, but. It'll be enough to keep Saturday interesting, and uh, we'll go through that all. So maybe Friday's show will be a little bit busier than expected, where we might not have a lot of best bets, at least for me, but I think I'll have a lot of picks, and I'll give out everything that I'm picking, even if it's not my strongest stuff. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to think about how Friday is going to go, is we'll just have a bunch of picks, maybe a couple best bets here and there that that we're pretty confident in, but picks-wise, I think we're going to have a good show on Friday. And again, if you want to see those picks, we'll, we'll have the show Friday. But also, if you're not going to be able to listen to the podcast, you can follow us at Stadium Bets on Twitter. Uh, we'll be posting the video of our best bets. We'll be posting our best bets there as well. So you can follow along. You can also let us know what you're going to be betting and we'll say it on the show and we'll say some of our listener best bets as well. Uh, if you tweet at us at Stadium Bets, we also have articles coming out at WatchStadium.com, Nate. You're going to have your NFL articles on Thursday. We're going to have our roundtable with college football picks on Friday. And I'm going to be starting um, NBA picks every single Wednesday at WatchStadium.com. So we got you covered. College football, NFL, NBA, all fall and all winter long at WatchStadium.com. And with that being said, Nate, let's go to our Sharp Lessons shortlist. Three college football games, three NFL games usually every week. This week, because the college football board's a little bit more weak, we've got two college football games, four NFL games. So let's start with the first college football game that we're going to be looking at um, and possibly making some bets on on Friday, and that is number eight, Oklahoma State against Iowa State. They're going to Ames. Iowa State laying seven points at home with the total being 47 points. And 
Honestly, Nate, the first thought that I had when looking at this game, my gut reaction was that spread is a little too high in favor of Iowa State because of what we saw Oklahoma State do against Texas. But after reading some things and and seeing how Iowa State has played the last couple of weeks and seeing how they play at home, that seven-point spread starts to make a little bit more sense. Yeah, unfortunately, it makes a little too much sense because I was hoping this game would be lower because yeah. Iowa State definitely in best bet consideration. I'm really hoping it gets to six and a half or better, and I have a feeling that will be part of my best bet selections. Where I'm going to try to do one for each league, uh, college football and then NFL, because there isn't much I like, but still want to give some people my my stuff I like have the most money on. So Iowa State definitely in consideration and. Really, it's more of a fade on Oklahoma State. I just think they're a very unimpressive 6-0. Not a huge fan of their quarterback, Spencer Saunders. And we go back to that Texas game where they did get the win, but they were losing 17-3 with Texas driving on them. And then a pick six totally flipped the game before halftime. The thing is, Texas was only laying three and a half in that game, and now it's seven, which is a completely different ask, especially because the total in the Texas game was in the low 60s, and this total is at 47. So I want to bet on Iowa State. Maybe the math doesn't really add up, but Matt Campbell teams also play better as the season goes on. They always start off slow. They always lose to Iowa. Last year they all they didn't play Iowa, but they lost to Louisiana in the opener and then had a, figured it out uh, as the season went on. And even though they did lose to Oklahoma State last year, uh, this is not as good of an Oklahoma State team, in my opinion. And I think this line tells you all you need to know. This Oklahoma State team is not as good as their 6-0 record and their number eight ranking. Hoping the line drops a little bit, but I'm, uh, I'll am i be on the Cyclones in some, in some form. You know what I was thinking was maybe taking Iowa State, maybe taking Iowa State full game, but probably taking Iowa State first half. And we have seen Oklahoma State, I mean, I think in the last couple of weeks, kind of struggle in the first half and really start to come together, at least defensively, in the second half. Um, and Iowa State at home, playing well. You know, Brees Hall is going to give that Oklahoma State rushing defense some issues, even though they are good. So I, I'm, I'm considering leaning towards that Iowa State first half spread um, as a play for me. Yeah, I think that's a decent way to look. Um, the competition for Oklahoma State hasn't been great this week or this year, and they haven't really beat them badly like Missouri State and Tulsa they won by seven and five points uh they beat a Baylor team that I think is a little bit overrated and overvalued winning at Boise State and they they probably should have lost that game and Spencer Saunders had 82 passing yards and they beat Kansas State with a backup quarterback so I think there's a lot of flaws in this team and uh I want to take advantage in some way and didn't work last week so let's go back to the well this week I like it. Iowa State also 13th in the country in uh, points per game in the first half. So if you're looking for for a good team in the first half, Iowa State is a top 15 team offensively. Um, The next college football game, Oregon-UCLA, Nate. And we have been a, I don't want to say a pro-UCLA podcast because we have faded them every so often, but we are a well-known knower of UCLA football this season. And they are the favorite. Minus two and a half. That total is at 60 and a half. Oregon, you just don't really know what you're going to get with them, um, especially with the injuries that they've had this year. And I think this is why UCLA is a favorite at this point, um, because people trust their running game and trust how good they can run the ball on this Oregon defense, which is struggled against the run. Yeah, I think that Oregon outside that 
that win against Ohio State, they just haven't been that impressive this year. I mean, week one, we were really worried about them when they barely beat Fresno State, and then they shocked the world in Columbus. Other than that, they failed to cover against Arizona, failed to cover against Stanford. They lost the game against Stanford, and then last week they only beat California by a touchdown, and they were getting giving 13.5. So now they're the underdog. It's There was a definitely a, a line move yesterday. I was looking at the screen, and went from UCLA minus one and a half to minus two and a half. So I think that's kind of telling. I wonder if it's going to get out to three and then maybe Oregon gets some money at that price point. The total has gone up from 59 to 60 and a half. So it seems like UCLA is the side. And um, I don't, I know that, I don't know what the trend is, but I, I know that it's pretty strong backing a unranked favorite against a ranked team. Uh, I think there's a lot of, some bias in terms of the the poll and the rankings where a, a ranked team people assume should be the favorite, but UCLA probably an equal team with Oregon and they're at home. So it's an early start. Maybe a night game would have been better for UCLA, but I think UCLA has to be the only way I'd be able to play this one. Just I'm not a huge fan of Oregon. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, we saw, what happened with, I know it's a little bit of an extreme example, but Iowa sh- probably should not have been the number two team in the country, and, and especially with the way that offense played. So I don't know if you can necessarily look at the rankings and say, oh, the 10th team in the country is an underdog. Or you have to hit them. I think that's probably the wrong way to look at a game like this. And I, I feel like we have had a good sense in the past that how UCLA plays, and I think we're both leaning uh, UCLA in this if, game. If the betting market set the rankings, Iowa would have been the fourth best team in the Big Ten because Ohio State, <laughs> Penn State, yep. when fully healthy is better, and I think you have to put Michigan now uh, just based on the talent of Michigan in terms of, like, they get better recruits than Iowa. So, um, yeah, but sometimes the rankings are a little misleading. Uh, UCLA probably should be ranked. I know they had a, a stumble against the Fresno State team that we talked about a little bit earlier, and then they also lost to Arizona State at home. So, I think this is a, a game for, for Chip Kelly against a program he used to coach where he's going to really want this game, and uh, maybe we'll get a better-than-expected crowd in Pasadena because it's not usually that great for UCLA home no. games, but maybe they'll show up for a, for a big game at 1230 local time. All right, let's go to the NFL. Broncos at the Browns, Thursday night football matchup. The Browns laying three. That total 42 and a half, Nate. And this is a, a, an interesting game because the Browns are uh, currently in the middle of suffering a good amount of injuries. Nick Chubb is going to be out for this game. Um, as a fantasy owner of his, I'm not very happy about that one. Um, obviously, we saw Baker Mayfield have injury issues. He was in a sling in his postgame press conference on Sunday. Um, but yet, after all of that and the injury issues with the Browns and how poorly they've been playing, they are still a field goal favorite. Yeah, and as we record this, this line has kind of been moving around. We just got word that Case Keenum will be the starter. They're going to rest Baker Mayfield. Makes a lot of sense because you mentioned he's in a sling. He hasn't been very effective, and it's a Thursday night game. So then you give him a full 10 days for a full two weeks then to rest and hopefully come back for the Cleveland Browns sake. And you mentioned the Nick Chubb injury, their backup Kareem Hunt, who's probably would be a starter on most teams is on IR. You got to put on IR with a calf injury. They're also down their two tackles or they were down their two tackles last week. So I bet guessing they're very questionable to play this week and Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin. So the Browns 
going through a lot of injury issues right now. And as I mentioned, now that Mayfield is downgraded to out or Case Keenum will start, this line went from Browns minus three to minus two and a half. And by the time you listen to it, I'm guessing this line might be even even different. So make sure to monitor that. But I uh, wanted to talk about this game, honestly, on Monday and the notable line moves. But because of the injury situation, wanted to wait off. Uh, the look-ahead line for this game was Browns minus six. When we recorded on Monday, it was like four and a half. So now it's down to three. It's the Thursday night game. The Browns have a ton of injuries, but also the Broncos have a lot of injuries. And we've seen this total plummet down. A few weeks ago, I would have thought this would be one of like the premier games of the NFL season when the Broncos started 3-0 and and the Browns were playing well, especially defensively. And now it's two 3-3 three and three teams that are really struggling, really banged up, have to play on a Thursday night really have no interest in betting this game. Um, would have been a lot more interested to watch this game if this game was played like a few weeks ago. But uh, we'll have to see because the, the Broncos had a very easy schedule to start the year, and now they've run into some tougher opponents, and they, they lost. So we'll be interested to see who responds from the injuries and if they can both teams can like prevent more injuries because it is a short week and they're very banged up. Yeah, this just seems like it's setting up to be a, a very messy game on Thursday night with just teams struggling. We, we, Thursday nights can either be really exciting in a good way or they can be exciting in just a very sloppy and messy way, and I think it's going to be the latter this Thursday. Um, so it, it still may be fun to watch, but betting-wise, I I don't think I can really lean one way or the other with the reasons that you said. It's, it's just hard to figure out, I guess, right now, the difference between an ineffective Mayfield and a healthy Case Keenum, who does know the offense from his days in Minnesota when Kevin Stefanski was on staff. So I guess it's the backup you want if you had to have a backup in the NFL. And I just wonder how much of like Mayfield maybe missing this game was already built into the line when it was Browns minus three, because it's now just minus two and a half right now as places are moving it down to minus two so the lines are moving as we speak so make sure to double check what the line is um, if you're listening to the podcast and want an update of this game but for me I doubt I'll have any play um, between the Broncos and the Browns Bengals at the Ravens Ravens laying six total is 47 in that game and you know how I felt about the Ravens, Nate, how much I like them and, and how much I've called them that team of destiny because they just seem to, to pull out wins wherever they can in, in situations where you don't expect them to or where their offense has looked bad or their defense is looking not great. Um, so laying six against the Bengals team that it just seems week in and week out, you, you don't 100% know what you're going to get from them. Their defense has looked pretty solid. And offensively, we have seen at times what they can do. Um, but sometimes they don't look great as well. So the Bengals are a big question mark team for me, and the Ravens just seem like they're they're full speed ahead. They know what they're doing. Six though is a lot in a t- in a game like this. It almost seems like a bit of a trap number. Yeah, I think that's a perfect description of the the Bengals. You're you're not really sure what you're gonna get. Like they definitely have made improvement, and Joe Burrow looks healthy and and confident, and that was definitely a question going the year. And the defense has improved quite a bit because they spent a lot of money in free agency on defensive players. So some of that stuff is paying off. I I know you mentioned the line seems a little big. However, if you look back to last year when these teams played in an empty stadium, the line was Ravens minus 12 and a half. So now you have to ask yourself with fans, has the Bengals improved enough to only be a six point underdog 
in this game. I know the Bengals are four and two, but they also haven't had many tough games. They've played a pretty easy schedule, and one of their losses was to the Bears. Their other loss was in overtime to the Packers, but then they beat the Vikings in a game the Minnesota kind of threw away, beating a banged-up Steelers team, beating the Jaguars on a Thursday night, and then last week going to the Lions and playing very well, but the Lions also aren't a good team. So now you really have to step up in class. They haven't played a team like the Ravens, a premier team this season. Maybe the maybe the Packers, but the Bengals were hosting that game. So now you're in Baltimore against a really hot Ravens team. We're a little. I'm a little worried the Bengals' offensive line isn't going to hold up. They've held up okay this season, but I haven't had to face the toughest matchups of pass rushes. So I think that minus six might be a little short, just based on last year's number when it was 12 and a half without fans in Baltimore. And I think the Bengals have improved. I'll give them that, but I don't think they've improved enough to justify such a line movement. Chiefs at the Titans, and we just saw the Titans on Monday night surprise a lot of people by getting a win. Um, and they play now a Chiefs team that I think a lot of people are not as high on as they were at the beginning of the year. That line is Chiefs minus five and a half. It's going to be in Nashville. The total is 57 and a half. Certainly one of the more high totals that we have seen all season long in the NFL simply because that Titans defense is garbage. It's just straight up terrible. Um, and the Chiefs know how to score and the Titans clearly know how to score offensively. So it makes sense why the total is so high. Um, but just looking at this game, Nate, I, I don't really have a sure play. I, I would I would probably lean Titans a little bit with this number. Um, I don't love that it's five and a half, so maybe we see some more money in the Chiefs later on in the week. If it can get up to six, that would be great. Um, but my lean right now, and it's a, it's a short lean, would be towards the Titans. Yeah, I think you're right where there's a chance it could get Chiefs minus six, similar to how the Bills got up to minus six on Monday night. And that was included Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. I think the difference here is this is just a really bad situational spot for the Titans coming off the Monday night football win, suffering a number of injuries. Taylor Luan, the starting left tackle, Julio Jones departed with a hamstring injury, and he's already missed two games this season with that injury. So I think it's going to be a long shot that he is able to play in this game. And then the defensive backfield, I think they were down to three healthy cornerbacks by the end of the game against the Bills. And when you you don't want to have a short, be shorthanded at defensive back against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. So matchup-wise, it's another tough one for the Titans. But now they don't have the situational advantage that they may have had on Monday night against the Bills. So the situation screams Chiefs, especially since the Titans won that game. However, I think that's built in the number. I think that number is going to continue to climb. I just don't know if I have it in me. After backing the Titans plus six on Monday night in a good spot, I don't have yeah. much interest in betting them again in a really bad spot, especially because it's a short week and the Chiefs are probably going to win this game, I'd say. I just don't know if they're going to cover the number because their defense isn't very good. I think the Titans mm-hmm. should be able to run the ball on them. So kind of can make a case for both sides, and because of that, likely going to stay away. Uh, but if you do like the Titans, I'd wait until game day or at least until we get a little bit more clarity about their injury report, which I think could be pretty ugly for this game. I really hope people took the Derrick Henry over rushing prop on Monday because I think that's going to be the last time in a while that we see it under 100 yards. It was like 96 and a half 
right before kickoff. Um, you're not going to see a Derrick Henry rushing prop under 100 yards anymore, I don't think, for a good amount of weeks because of how good of a rusher he is. And I think, Nate, looking at the, the spread, I don't love it, but team total might be the way I go with either either the Chiefs or the Titans just because I trust neither defense. That's a. I think that's the way to look. Uh, the spread, too hard to go. The total, very, very high. But if you prefer one side going over their team total, would make a lot of sense. Um, maybe a smaller play because – Team totals can get a little crazy, especially if the game script doesn't fit the way that you you see it uh, or doesn't manifest how you predict. Uh, but that's that's a good way to go and a creative way to attack this one. Finally, last game on our short list, NFL Colts at 49ers. The Colts coming off a big win against Houston. They got their man T.Y. Hilton back. And they look like actually a, a capable offense with T.Y. And I know it's against the Texans, and anyone's probably going to look really good against the Texans, but I'm starting to heat up a little bit on the Colts, Nate. The 49ers laying 4.5. That total is 44.5. Um, the Colts do have to travel. They have to go to California to play this game. Um, I don't have a strong lean either way. Um, maybe the Colts because they, they kind of look like a new reinvigorated Colts team with – the return of T.Y. And, and actually looking capable to score. But the 49ers are, are a different team than the, than the Houston Texans. Yeah, and even before the Hilton came back last week against a, a bad team in the Texans, I thought they showed us some improvement, with, especially Carson Wentz, against the Ravens that Monday night game and also against the Dolphins. So I think there's some improvement from the Colts in general. I actually kind of lean the other side, the 49ers. They're coming off a bye. This is the Sunday night game, so this is why it's included on, on the list because it's the primetime mm-hmm. game and people like betting the primetime games. But 49ers off a bye. It looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come back. It sounds encouraging, especially since Trey Lance is battling an injury of his own. So I think that Jimmy G is going to have the reins to the starting job. I think he's a better quarterback than Trey Lance, especially at the moment. It's another road trip for the Colts. They're fourth in five weeks, and it's a long trip, and they're playing a game at 520 local time, and it's going to feel like 820 on their body clock. So we make a big deal about the West Coast team going east. Something that isn't talked about as much is the East Coast team, Eastern time zone team, going to the West Coast to play a primetime game. And the 49ers will feel like it's earlier in the day and the Colts feel will maybe feel like it's at night. So I think it's a really tough spot for the Colts. The 49ers are getting healthier. And there's also bad weather in Santa Clara for Sunday. That's a little tease for the weather report. But <laughs> the total at first went up in the week, and then it went back down because of some rain expected in the Bay Area. So uh, I think the number probably is about right. At 49ers, I believe it's 4.5 now. It was 3.5 yesterday. I think it's going to continue to go up maybe a little bit as we get a confirmation that Jimmy G will be the starter. Sounds like he's good to go. I'm sure once we get that news, that, that line will go up like half a point. So let's go to our situations of the week. What's the situation? We uh, only have three teams in our situations of the week. Hangover game. Lousy hangover. Ole Miss. This is, uh, this is a hangover game of all hangover games after beating Tennessee in Knoxville, uh, having golf balls and soda cans and everything thrown at them by Tennessee fans. They get out of there with that five-point win. They now have to come back home, but they play an LSU team, which... 
you know, they're going to be without Coach O at the end of the season. So who knows how he's going to be coaching at this point. If he's just going to, it's kind of like one of those throw everything at them. Who cares? I'm not going to be the coach anymore. So might as well try everything type of team. Um, but this is certainly a, a hangover game to a T. Yeah, it's pretty incredible that Ole Miss and Tennessee played a game that in real time took four and a half hours. A lot of that was because <laughs> of the delay of fans throwing stuff on the field. And when you Crazy. think of a game that lasts that long, you think of like a lot of scoring and there may have been a lot of scoring in that game, I guess, for maybe SEC standards. But from the betting market, that game went under the total by 25 points. So pretty crazy that a game that took that long went under by that much. Um, it was a game against Tennessee that meant a lot for Lane Kiffin, obviously, the head coach or former head coach of Tennessee. And at the end of the game, Matt Corral got banged up. And I know that his status for this week is uncertain. I think with the LSU situation with Orgeron now, we know what he's, his fate is. I think the win against Florida was shocking because it looked like that LSU team was in complete free fall. But now knowing that Coach O is kind of coaching out the rest of the year, I think that maybe there is going to be a new, I don't know, the LSU team will be at least reinvigorated to maybe play for the coach that brought him a national title two years ago. I think when there wasn't, they weren't sure what he was going to be or how he was going to uh, come out for the season. There was uh, reasons to back against LS, back um, p- play against LSU, but now I think betting on them might be a good way to go. Obviously, see if Matt Corral is healthy or not because I think that'll dictate the the game. Um, but I do want to back, back or bet against Ole Miss in this situation off that tough game against Tennessee. I just don't know if I trust LSU's talent enough, which is kind of crazy to say, because LSU should have the top recruits in the country, or top recruits at least in that southeast region and own the state of Louisiana. So a fascinating game with the hangover for Ole Miss and also how LSU responds to Coach O uh, going to, I guess he got fired, uh, parting ways with sort the of program fired. at the end of the year and got a nice $17 million buyout. So maybe it's okay to get fired in that case when you're get all that money and you don't have to worry about the stress of coaching big time college football. All right. Sandwich game. Sandwich. Packers. They're coming off a of bears win. They have the Cardinals next week. They play the Washington football team this week. Uh, do you have maybe not a ton of trust in the Packers here? Yeah, I kind of like Washington here. It's a big number. It was at 10 at one point. Would have liked 10. I think 9.5 is fine. Anything over a touchdown, I like Washington. I just feel like because the Packers have that game on a short week next week against the Cardinals, an undefeated Arizona Cardinal team, they're just going to want to get out of this game healthy. And Washington at least has some offensive pieces that if they are down, they'll be able to cover the spread late. I know their defense has been very bad and probably one of the more disappointing units in the NFL. But the offense has shown some signs of life. Packers defense, average at best. So I like Washington here at a big number, knowing the situation for the Packers with the the West Coast trip on a short week coming up. And the team that they're going to be playing, the Cardinals, with that look-ahead game, they play the Texans this week, and a team no one is, no one is scared of and, and no one really takes seriously at this point. So maybe we see a possible cover by the Texans because it is a very high double-digit spread. Yeah, the situation definitely sets up 
better, I guess, for the Texans with the Cardinals coming off that big win as an underdog against the Cleveland Browns without their head coach, without some players because of COVID. And then they had that game against the Packers on deck. Um, I would check to see who's starting quarterback for the Texans. I know there's a chance Terod Taylor might be healthy, but based on the, the line movement we saw yesterday where the Texans went up from like 16 and a half to 17 and a half, I assume Davis Mills is probably the front runner, runner to start. I actually think from an organizational standpoint, Davis Mills should start, but we have Tyrod Taylor, and I don't really trust the head coach, David Culley. And I think David Culley wants to win games. I don't care. think he cares about seeing what they have in Davis Mills. So I think that uh, the way to go in this game would be the Texans. However, maybe the Texans don't score and lose like 20 to nothing. I think that's in the, <laughs> in the range of outcomes. And I don't know if I yeah. mentioned the, the re- another reason I – kind of want to bet against the Packers as we kind of circle back to the sandwich was they beat the bears. And I know the bears is a team that literally Aaron Rodgers said that he owns, I own you. But I think that was still like a big game when you're sandwiched between uh, your biggest division rival and then that Thursday night game. So that's what creates the sandwich with Washington this week. And if I had a pick, I, I definitely would bet Washington over the Texans um, in the underdog role. Yes, yeah, for sure. I think Washington is this is they can surprise the Packers. I think in a situation um, like this. All right, let's talk about some of our bets quickly before we end the show with best bets um, because there are a couple of bets, Nate, that I want to take a look at, want to get your opinion on because I'm not 100 percent sure what I want to what I want to bet at this point. The first one, Maryland plus five at Minnesota. I just I'm more playing the number here than the teams and and I know Minnesota looked really good last week and Maryland has had a tough schedule in the past couple of weeks and this is probably going to be one of the lighter Big Ten teams that they have played this season and I know they're on the road at Minnesota I would like them maybe a little more at plus six but plus five I think they can cover and even have a shot to win against Minnesota and I know people are down on the Terrapins but I think they're better than a five-point underdog to Minnesota. I think the situation also favors Maryland coming off a bye week, Minnesota coming off a win as a home dog to Nebraska, a big win, and they were very happy, and it looked like they were celebrating that more than a a normal win. And I know P.J. Fleck kind of called out the Nebraska program after the game, so that was definitely a big game for Minnesota. And I actually was in the stadium office yesterday, Talk to Alex Simmons about his thoughts on the card. One of the bets he made, he didn't like much, but he did back Maryland plus five. He just doesn't yeah. believe in Minnesota, and I kind of, the more I thought of, makes a lot of sense. And even before you talked about it on Talk It Out right now, I kind of had Maryland at least written down. So I'll, I endorse that bet with Maryland plus five against a Minnesota team coming off a really big win. Yeah, I just don't I don't trust Minnesota to be that consistent, and I think the number is a little bit too high. The other game I wanted to mention, too, so I think I might hit Maryland, is the other game is NC State, another team that can be very up or very down. They travel to Miami to play the Hurricanes. They are laying three in this game as road favorites, and I know our rule on the podcast has been ACC betting. You really can't trust a favorite in the spot because every game, for the most part, with these teams should be closer to a pick but... I love fading Miami. They're, they're a team that's fun to fade. Um, and, and NC State has shown capabilities of covering these lower spreads. So I'm leaning towards NC State, but I could be talked out of it. 
Yeah, and actually I had this game written down early in the week when we were talking about notable line moves, but then I was like, yeah, this game isn't very good because there was a notable line move in this game with Miami opening as a two-point favorite and then North Carolina State getting bet very early up to minus three. I, I see what you mean, Ben. I personally don't really like either team, so I'll be off this game. One of the reasons I I think the numbers say to bet Miami, but they also may have quit on the season and they maybe had their like last uh, effort to maybe get into the ACC, uh, win that uh, division, the Coastal, and they lose to North Carolina by three as like a seven point underdog. So I don't trust Miami to play up to their potential. I know Deere King's already out for the season, their their quarterback. So don't really want to touch Miami, but at the same time, now that it's minus three, you're just not getting the best of it with the the Wolf Pack, and I'm not really sure how good NC State is, honestly. So you have two games that you wanted to talk out, and that first one, Clemson at Pitt. Yep, and that's this is very simple. Just a Clemson team as an underdog in 2021, where yeah. they still have, like, Top talent is just the only handicap. I know that Pitts looked very good this season, other than one bad loss. Clemson is 0-5 against FBS teams against the spread. They just don't score enough to cover as those big favorites. But now it's totally different. They're in the underdog role. You know Dabo Sweeney knows he's the underdog. He's going to talk that up to his team all week. So I'm considering Clemson at plus three. If it goes lower, probably would pass. But just Clemson is an underdog, and I'll look closer and maybe include this game in the roundtable article, but Clemson hasn't been an ACC underdog since 2016. The only really other time they're underdogs is where in those college football games against like an Alabama or an Ohio State, and they've had actually some pretty good success in that role. So we'll have to see a little bit more about any line movement in this game as it got up to as high as four and a half. Would have definitely liked anything over a field goal. Now to field goal, it's just something I'm considering. Just blindly backing an elite program in a very rare underdog role against a team like Pittsburgh. It's not like they're playing Alabama or Georgia. It's it's Pittsburgh. So that's that's my uh, thoughts of the game. Not really about the X's and O's, more just the situation. An Air Force in San Diego State. Are you thinking Air Force in this one? Three and a half? Minus three and a half? Yeah, let's go back to the the ranked uh, underdog or betting on the unranked favorite against the ranked underdog. And Air, Air Force has been impressive this season. They beat Boise State last week in Boise. Now they play a ranked San Diego State team who I don't think is that good. They're coming off a double overtime win against San Jose State. And Air Force, they run a very unique offense, obviously, with the triple option. So, it's tough tough for San Diego State to kind of prepare for that. I know that they see it almost every year playing in the Mountain West, but I could see Air Force uh, being the right side here, and maybe that number gets down to minus three, and I'd have a little bit more interest in, in betting them. But just something to talk about, since I, I like both unranked favorites this week in Iowa State and, or, and UCLA, pardon me, so why not make it all three with Air Force joining the mix? There we go. I kind of I, I I would lean toward Air Force with you on that one. I don't know if I'll, I'll make it a, a pick on Friday, but I like the thought process behind that. Uh, before we go, I have one best bet, Nate, and that is the Chicago Bulls tonight as they take on the Detroit Pistons, the opener for both teams. 
I like the Bulls here. They It was like three and a half for most of the early part of the week. Cade Cunningham, who was the number one pick overall by the Pistons, was listed as out for this game. So that line has now moved to minus five. I still like that number for the Bulls. I, I think they are a better team than people are expecting. The betting market set their win total at 42 and a half, 43 and a half at some places. I think that's still pretty low. I think they can be a 45-46 win team. So to me, it looks like the betting market is underrating the Bulls. I could be very wrong that that preseason game stretch that they had where they won every single game, they looked really good, could look a lot different in the regular season because it's not preseason. But I'm going to go with my gut, take the Bulls, season opener, minus five. I think they can get the win. So that is going to be a basketball best bet for me tonight. Yeah, and we'll start a new record for you, Ben. We have the football year-to-dates that we keep up weekly. So for basketball, if you continue to give out best bets on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll have a new record for you with basketball. Probably, for me personally, I won't bet basketball. But if you do want a season win total, I was looking through them. And my favorite one that I have the most money on is the Pacers over 42.5. I think they have a pretty talented roster. And last year they made the play-in, but they had a coach that they basically quit on. I think Rick Carlisle is a huge upgrade, and I think they're going to do enough to win games. And I also expect maybe a little bit of a down year from the Knicks and the Hornets, kind of like the middle class of the Eastern Conference, which would propel the Pacers to maybe a little bit more wins than expected. So I'm not going to give many basketball best bets, but I do like playing a few win totals, and the Pacers over 42.5 is my favorite. There you go. I think you can get them still as an underdog tonight against the Hornets. So that could help if you're, if you're thinking Pacers. Yeah, if I if I think the Hornets are going to be down and I like the Pacers, then I uh, I should probably consider that, shouldn't I? There you go. So that'll do it for us. We'll be back Friday with our picks Friday, as we do every single week. You can read uh, my basketball article on WatchStadium.com Wednesday afternoon. You can read Nate's football article on Thursdays. And you could read all of our college football picks on the roundtable um, on Friday. So we got you all covered for all the bets that you want to make. But until then... We'll see you on the podcast on Friday.